see you in this moment. Welcome to those of you online. Can't wait to break open the word of God. Our God is full of surprises. Have you ever been surprised by God? Have you ever been surprised? Our God is full of surprises. And, and, and there's always something that's next. There's always something that next when God surprises us. Uh, so one of the next moments, because Easter Sunday, and then this is what follows. This is post-Easter. Uh, it's, it's, you know what? It's time to jump into the waters of baptism. That's what is next. When Jesus defeats death, we find that it is so appropriate for us to experience the moment where we where we walk into the waters of baptism. So today, some are going to experience baptism, and I might tell a lot of you that you're going to remember your baptism, that the things that bring you to this moment are the kind of things that we just remember, that we don't let go of, that, that what's next ultimately comes full circle. So let me give you a little bit of word and a, a little, so here's what baptism is. It's an outward sign of an inward work that God has already done this work in, that there's been, that our sins have been forgiven, that we're justified, that we're regenerated, that we've got new spiritual life, that we're adopted into God's family. And so that's the inward work that's done. And then it's so appropriate for us to then walk into the waters of baptism. It is just beautiful. It's something that connects us with the church around the world and through the ages. If if God speaks to you today, now a lot of you were talking about remembering your baptism, but, but we're going to make this an open invitation. If you want to say, well, today's the day. I need to experience baptism. When we sing the song after the message, come on up. Come on up and, and, and take a spot on the front. We've got towels for you. We've got uh, pants that you can put on. We've got underpants you can put on, uh, brand new. Uh, we got baptism shirts, and we've got a moment of celebration that we get to experience together. Well, the time is called Pentecost. Jesus has risen from the dead, and the Holy Spirit's fallen on 120 believers. And they've gone out into this gathering moment around Jerusalem, and they've spoken the wonders and the glories of God in languages that everybody that's gathered in that moment can understand. And, and they, they, here's what they hear from the disciple Peter. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you all crucified, to be Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the others, brothers, sisters, what do we do? What's next? And this is what the response was. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say that this promise isn't just for you, but it is for your children. It is for those who are far off, and this is the deep connection that we have to believers throughout the ages. People have been doing this since Jesus Christ has been risen again. Um, and so what is next, we find, often comes full circle. That's what great stories do. So in the story of King Jesus, who has been resurrected, we begin to go, well, what comes next? And we're going to fill that in if you're taking notes. Uh, found that, that great stories do come around full circle. 
I took a class a couple summers ago at Cornerstone University on, on, on how to write, kind of like writing for beginning people. And one of the things I learned is that, that even if you're writing a chapter, what, whatever the focus of the character in that chapter is on, you're supposed to bring it full circle. But when you bring it full circle, like you're looking at something on a mantle, and, and you notice that object on the mantle at the beginning and the end, but at the end, the attitude is different. The situation is different. Something is different that keeps moving the story forward. When we look at the story of God, Creation begins in a garden setting. When we see the cross, we see, and in the middle of, of creation, there's, there's a couple of trees. In the middle of, of the story of Christ, there's trees known as crosses. Trees that bring death. Trees, one tree that Christ is on, the tree of death, is going to bring life again. Jesus prays in the garden. He, he's buried in a garden. He raises again from the garden. There's all kinds of things in the story of God that come full circle for us, and we're really supposed to pay attention to those things. And, and we mark moments in life with that. So my dear wife, Terry, as you, many of you know, teaches kindergarten. I'm going to tell you a kindergarten class story. Just this, I, I, I dig this one. Um, and she's got a teaching assistant named Miss Carter. Uh, Miss Carter had her last assignment day on Friday. They did lots of special things. Yay, Miss Carter kind of moments. Uh, well, here's how one of those went down. So a few weeks, a few weeks before... Miss Carter left a uh, kid is a jokester and the principal walks in and the kid says to the principal hey hey Mr. Principal Mr. Principal I gotta tell you a joke I wanna tell you a joke alright buddy alright buddy what's, what's your joke so my wife Terry's there Miss Carter's there the principal's there jokester's there and he goes alright 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 hey uh hey uh why did why did why did Miss Carter cross the road he goes I, I don't know buddy why did Miss Carter cross, cross the road to kiss you Mr. Principal and it was like oh my goodness you know Miss Carter turns beet red in that moment and, and I've heard that the principal is a, is a is a is a handsome individual I don't necessarily know if I get it that kind of goes over my head but 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 Miss Carter just turned beet red in that moment and one of the things that Terry did to, to mark the moment of her time with her was she had kids make, make a booklet entitled, Why Did Miss Carter Cross the Road? And all the kids, they retold the joke, aha, had a laugh and say, okay, we've already done that. Here's all the other possibilities. Then they made a big list of all the different things that could be noted in that moment. She got a couple of different things that the kids did. And, and Terry gets this note back from Miss Carter. I've, I've read through my booklets. I've just like, thank you for marking that moment. And thank you for all those things. It's, it's just, there's something about that, that we do mark moments. And when we bring them full circle, there's something really beautiful about it. God desires to bring things full circle in your life that you're going to find incredibly beautiful. Um, so here's what we're going to do. You know when a chef says, all right, here's what you're going to have to eat. I always kind of enjoy when they explain stuff. I, I really like that, even though I don't fully understand it. But what we're doing today in our teaching time, here's what we're going to experience together. A little itty bit of a biographical study of the life of Peter, the disciple. A itty, itty bit topical look at the sacrament of baptism. But our main course, what we're really going to do is an expositional study on John chapter 21. Basically, we're looking at John 21 going, all right, what do we really find in the word of God there that's timeless truth for our lives right now? So we're going to go into John 21. And as we do so, I invite you to rise in spirit, rise to your feet as you're able, and hear the word of the Lord. Let me read this over you. Beginning with verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went and they got into the boat 
But that night they caught nothing. This is the disciples post-resurrection. This is John 21, what happens on the heels of Jesus being risen from the dead. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And he calls to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Nope. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. He jumped in the water. And the other disciples followed him in the boat towing it that was full of fish. And they were not far from shore, just about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught and let's share. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat, dragged the net ashore. It's full of large fish, 153. That's really significant for them understanding the number of the Gentile nations. And the net was not torn. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples asked, who are you? There's something about resurrected bodies that's incredibly special. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Lord, thank you that this is your word and these are your people. And may your word and your people intersect in such a way that we may never be the same because you love these people. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you. Go ahead, have a seat. So Peter, the disciple, and his buddies, post-resurrection, they've gone fishing. And, and it seems when we talk about things coming full circle, for them, this is coming full circle. For so many of them encountered Jesus when they were fishing. And they went back. Let's make some moolah laguncha. We got to make some bucks. We got to pay the bills. We got things to do. We're going to go back fishing. And it goes to a safe and to a familiar spot. I just, and I, I just want to ask you this. Where does Jesus encounter you today? Where does God encounter you? Because Jesus comes to them in that moment and it is, we have a risen Lord. It is King Jesus. Where does he find you today? Watch what's next. There's three aspects. We're going to break apart a conversation that Peter and Jesus have. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It, well, little pause. So a lot of smart people who break apart the word of God. What, what, is, what, what are these? Uh, Peter's been pretty braggy that it's, you know, the other, that, that he loves Jesus more than any other person. Is it the other disciples? Or are the these, and for what it's worth, the Greek word says these things. Uh, that, that's usually how that word goes, usually. And the nets, the boats, the fishing industry. So let's go, I, let's just say all, all that stuff. Do, do you love me? Like, where, where are you at? You're going to play the comparison game again, Peter? Like you're better than other people? Are you going to talk about, do you, do you love me more than the business of fishing? And Peter responds, he loves him. We'll get to that a little later. But then again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter responds. We'll get to that response later. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me? He flips the word this time. Up until this time, there's three different ways we get love translated from the Greek language. There's nuance to each of them. The first two times, Jesus used this really unconditional, sacrificial kind of love word, agape. He flips it to phileo, which is a wonderful word, phileo, deep friendship. And it says that Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, do you love me? What are we walking back? What are we bringing full circle? We are bringing full circle what Jesus is doing. He's, he's recreating. One of the things, and, I, and, and you may or may not be interested in this, but, but I, I, I was reading some different writers on it, and, and they go, oh, Jesus is doing this, but he's not doing this in John 21. He's doing this, and he's not doing this. I go, I think he's doing all this stuff. I think Jesus is doing layers of next that are incredibly surprising with the person of Peter, and, and he does the same in our lives as well. And one of them, he's recreating the denial moment that Peter had with Jesus in the courtyards of Pilate. Because the last time that they had a significant conversation, it was a series of significant conversations. There's this last supper moment where Jesus washes feet. He breaks bread. We understand the sacrament of communion out of that moment. They go to a garden to pray, and Peter keeps falling asleep and waking him up and falling asleep. Can you not even keep watch with me an hour? And then guards come to arrest, and Peter's all, well, he's alert then, you know. He's, whoa, you know, he's, he's got his can of Red Bull then and pulls out his sword and, boom, lock, lops off the ear of, of someone. Jesus says, we're not, that's not what we're doing right now heals that individual in the moment and Peter's all confused but yet he so deeply wants to be connected to Jesus he follows Jesus to the uh, to the trial and he is in the outer courtyard well Jesus is in the inner courtyard and in that outer courtyard moment there's there's a fire that's lit two times in the New Testament the word charcoal fire is used when Jesus cooks fish and when Peter's at the denial. Oh, by the way, uh, Jesus is showing up at the same time of day. When the rooster crows the third time, that's when you'll deny me. It's that early, early wee morning hours that that would be taking place. He's recreating the sights, the smells, all those kind of things. Three times, Peter was asked, well, you were with the man. You're one of his disciples. Nope, nope. And the third time, he just really wants to demonstratively say and distance himself from Jesus. I don't bleep and know the man. And in that moment, Jesus' eyes and Peter's eyes, from inner courtyard to outer courtyard, they lock in that moment. And Peter exits, and he wept bitterly. It's the last time there was a significant conversation. And Jesus is walking it back and saying, hey, my friend, I know you love me. Let's have a do-overs here. Let's do it again. Let's, let's, let's do this all. You know, friends, when, when it comes to forgiveness, and Peter was the one who asked Jesus, how many times ought I forgive my brother? Seven times, that was magnanimous because it was twice as much in adding one as the norm would go. And Jesus says, hey, not, not, not even seven times, but 70 times seven. And that's a symbolic, significant number. I Meaning you don't even need to keep track. You just, you just forgive and you forgive. And Jesus is, is doing this in the life of Peter. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saves the wretches like us. That's what it does. And Jesus is making sure. Peter's gone back to fishing. What have you gone back to? 
that might, that might, it might make sense. You know, we, we, they haven't experienced the great commission of go and make disciples. They haven't experienced, what, what, what have you gone back to that's less than what God has been calling you towards? And the reason you're there is because you don't feel forgiven. Your God loves you. Your God comes to you. Your God has defeated sin. Your God has defeated death. And it is the enemy that throws stuff back up and just says, you need to know that you are a dearly loved child of God. And God will walk it back with you. Um, it's a story. I, 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 there, there's a measure of just, you know, sinful stupidity in this, in this story, I tell you. So I was... 20-something. I was a seminary student at Asbury, and uh, one of the recent grads was attending Asbury College from this little Methodist church where I was working at, and, and I'm driving him back. We're on Manowar Boulevard, this little windy road from Lexington to Wilmore, and he's, he wants to tell me stuff that's going on in his, in his home, and his family. There's some stuff, tough stuff going on, and so in my brilliance, he begins to unpackage. I go, oh yeah, Brad, I know that. And, he, and then he goes and unpacks more. Yeah, I, I, I know that too. And, I, and, I'm, and I, in, in my denseness, I'm trying to convey that I know so I'm worthy for him to unpack it just because you know how you kind of hear things. It's just, and he shut down. The conversation, we, we drove back the, the rest of the way, 12 minutes, basically in science. I'm trying to get him to unpackage, and he won't because Jim knows it all. What, you know? Here's how good God is. So five years later, I'm back in that part of the country. It's the very next time that Brad and I have a moment together. I happen to pick him up someplace in Lexington where he's working at, and I drive him back on that same road, Manowar Boulevard, that windy road, back towards Wilmore, and, uh, and I'd heard about his mom's health issues. And he goes, Jim, you know, I just want to tell you, my mom's got these health issues, and the Lord helped me. And I went, oh, Really? I'd known all, I mean, hey, and this is what's going on, and this is what it really, can you tell, and we had this incredible conversation. The Lord so often recreates opportunities for us, friends, where we've blown it, and we've messed up, but God wants to walk it back. But a lot of this needs, you need to understand that you are a forgiven, dearly loved child of God. Well, what's also next with what's next? Let's, let's read Jesus' definitive words. It's like the end of this series of three. And then he said to him, follow me. Jesus answered, uh, and, and he goes on to say, I'm, I'm gonna peek at this a little bit. Um, he, he says, follow me. And then there's this conversation noting that John uh, is, is kind of snooping. John's eavesdropping on Jesus and Peter's conversation. And he goes, if I want him, Peter goes, what about him? Well, if I want that guy to remain alive till I come back, what's that to you? Have you ever had a parent say that? What's that to you? That ain't your story. That, that guy's story, that gal's story ain't your story. I'm telling you your story. That, and that's how God deals with us. And there's this, there's this dynamic that comes full circle in the life of Peter of follow me. So Sunday school kids, as some of you I hope are not Sunday school kids that I get to tell you something you haven't heard before. In Jesus' first encounters with Peter, where does he find him? Fishing. And what does he tell him? Follow me. 
here's what's interesting. So following a rabbi was a really big deal. People wanted to do that. It was a highly esteemed role to be a disciple. And older teens would ask a distinguished rabbi, may I follow you? And then they would go through this little conversation, remez. It's like an oral exam that's going to take place. It could go for hours. And the rabbi is going to quote some scripture. And he's going to honestly kind of misquote or missay something. He's going to miss it by a few verses. And then the student is supposed to note what that is. And then come back again to another scripture. And say something but a little off. And the rabbi would know where it's off and note. And they would just bounce through the Hebrew scriptures for hours playing this little game of remez where I, I get you in the right zone and you're supposed to see the fullness of what's taking place. After that conversation is complete, the, the rabbi will look to the potential disciple and he'll either say, follow me, or they will say this, you certainly love God. Go home. Enter the family business. Have a family but you will not be a disciple of mine. May God bless you. So where does Jesus encounter Peter? Fishing. Did, Jesus, did, did Peter ever get asked to be a disciple? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. He washed out a long time ago. He was in the family business. And so this whole follow me dynamic is once again the beginnings of the relationship that is taking place with Peter and with Jesus. Have you ever played follow the leader on the playground? Think about that for a little bit and how, you know, how enjoyable that is, how disconcerting that can be. Like there's sometimes you go, hurry up, the leader's going too slow, you know, or, or the leader's going so fast, we're going down the slide. Now we're, now we're hiding behind the monkey bars. Oh, we're just kind of sitting here and follow me. I, I guarantee you that when we follow Jesus, he's going to take us into learning what generosity is all about. He's going to take us learning into that greed should not be part of who we are. Got, there's going to be all kinds of attitudinal, transformational things that are going to be taking place in our lives as we follow Jesus. It is going to, to, to really be something. Um, follow me. Oh, let's go to the biographical sketch of Peter. When we see all the different dynamics that, that happen in the life of Peter. When you follow the Lord, you're going to see healings take place. You're going to see God involve you in ways that you never knew. You're, I'm gonna, God's going to do this miracle of feeding thousands of people, and God's going to include you. You're going to wind up. How did Peter wind up in that boat in the storm in the middle of the, the Sea of Galilee? Because Jesus said, go get in the boat. And then a storm came up. Ugh. And then Peter has this great audacity to say, if that's you, Lord, may I walk to you on the water. There's going to be all kinds of situations and scenes where you follow Jesus and you go, how did I get here? And sometimes it's going to be this great, like, cool, I got here. And other times, oh no, this is where I'm at. And it's all because you've been following the risen Savior. Uh, so what else is next with what is next? Well, This is the middle part of the conversation. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Second time. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus. 
take care of my sheep. Feed my lambs the first time. Third time, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And what does Jesus say? Feed my sheep. In the conversations that Jesus had with Peter and says, come follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of people. Who, who are the sheep? People. And by the way, it's not a compliment. Uh, it's more of a reality. Sheep are, uh, they can't really protect themselves. <laughs> they have this really, this herd mentality. They can't, they can't fend themselves off from defenders. Like, I'll get you with my little woolly, you know, woolly wool. You know, there's no claws. There's no sharp teeth. You know, sheep need a lot of, a lot of help. Uh, and so Jesus is the good shepherd. And there's a sense like, Pete, if you're going to follow me, you're going to care about the things that, that I care about, the people that I care about. Uh, there, there's this distinct sense uh, that, that we are to love one another. That's how definitively that people know that you're a Jesus follower. Do you love one another? That's how it is known. So I'm going to go to the, the comic strip that, of Charlie Brown, the Peanuts, and good old Linus and Lucy. And Linus declares definitively, I want to become a doctor when I grow up. And his older sister Lucy, in all her psychiatric wisdom, says, you can't be a doctor. You hate humanity. And Linus says, I love humanity. It's just people I can't stand. I can't stand people. I can't stand people. I can't stand people. Sheep. Ah. There's a clip. Let's go to this video clip. And I want you to think about people that just exasperate you, okay? That's a sheep in a ditch. And you're going to take care of that little sheep. You're going to get that sheep out of the ditch. We got the sheep out of the ditch. Yay! Oh. That's how that goes. Sheep. That's how it goes. <laughs> Don't stop loving people. Uh, that, 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 that's your buddy that's disappointed you. That's your, that's your wife, gentlemen. That's, that's your hubby, ladies. That's, that's your sibling. That's your niece and your nephew. It's the person that you work with. It's the person on your ball team. Uh, we find that we're told in the word of God, uh, love God and love your neighbor. Love God, love people. And who's my neighbor? Well, we find that your neighbor is just whoever crosses your path. And sometimes we wait to go, oh, when, when somebody really distanced in those one time. No, who really often crosses your path? Those are the sheep that we are called to, to feed and, and to care for. It's not easy because what, what's taking place in the spiritual battle, it's, this is a rescue operation in enemy-occupied territory. Here's the beauty of what God does for us. If you like softball, if you like baseball, this will truly resonate. But every day, this comes full circle. Every day, if I may, you, you, you get to the plate again. This is why these things need to come full circle because every day, pick up your cross and follow me. Every day, there's gonna be opportunities to love and care for people. 
you know, you got to get over, you can't jump back in the time machine and redo things, but it does come full circle and you get a new opportunity. And so as the new day begins, as the new opportunity begins, you all of a sudden move from home and you get on base and you see how it goes and you work through these things. And then when you return and you found that you have embraced the forgiveness that God desires to give you, you have followed where Jesus has led. You are loving and caring for the people that God, sheep that God has placed in your midst. And when you get home, there's victory in that. Every day. This isn't kind of a one and done thing. This is a constant experience that we have because Jesus Christ is king of kings and has defeated death. And this is what's next. It's always what's next. Forgiveness following and tending to the people that God so deeply loves, the people that surround you in this moment. So I invite you at this time, we're gonna hear the word of the Lord. Would you rise uh, to your feet uh, or rise in spirit in this moment? I wanna read scripture over you. And, and here's the opportunity that I wanna give. Uh, be ready, if God speaks to you, you might wanna experience baptism today. You come forward or You've already experienced baptism, but you want to remember your baptism. You just come and touch this baptism water in the closing song. But may you be encouraged by the word of the Lord and be ready to help out towards the end of this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the words of Peter. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance, well, it's kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in all this, you greatly rejoice. For a little while, you've had to suffer and you've had grief in all kinds of trials. But these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in honor when Jesus is revealed. Hope you've received that. And would you declare definitively these last two verses, verses 8 and 9? Let's read this together. Here we go. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God, thank you that you've spoken to us. We receive everything that you desire to give in your mighty name. Amen. And we're going to stand and we're going to continue to sing, but I encourage you, if, if God has spoken to you, it's your day to be baptized. That's what's next. Just, just come be on the front. We'll converse. Or grab some baptism water. You need to be reminded that you're forgiven. You need to be reminded and declare that you're a follower. You need to be reminded and declare that you care and love for God's sheep. Let God work in our midst.